welcome to episode 11 of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Jossaw, the founder and owner of Lakeland Title. Uh, for this week's episode, I know we usually do real estate related topics, but there was a legal topic that came up in the news that I just thought was very interesting. Uh, the Louisiana Attorney General has sued a reporter with the Advocate newspaper, and that's kind of a very strange and unusual thing. So I wanted to bring on a good friend of mine, Scott Sternberg, to discuss the case with me. He is actually the attorney for the advocate and the reporter in question. I've worked with Scott before and he's a, a very good lawyer. We've teamed up on some cases before. Uh, he's a business litigation and gen general business consulting attorney and uh, media law and first amendment law expert with the law firm of Sternberg, Nakari and White in New Orleans, Louisiana. So without further ado, welcome Scott. Thanks Brian, glad to be here. So. So I saw this case and it's just very unusual because uh, it's the Attorney General of Louisiana suing a reporter over a public records request. And usually it's the other way around. Usually it's a reporter that sues to get their public information. And so how is this, how is this case kind of different? What's the story here? Well, it's interesting. You know, we've had a few of these cases in Louisiana uh, and I actually am litigating one in Monroe right now. I had a previous case in Tallulah, Louisiana which I'm sure you've never been to, but uh, <laughs> it's a nice little town. And uh, I've heard of it. You know, they, they're called reverse public record suits, and they're sweeping the country, uh, quite frankly, because you know we have a real interesting uh, dichotomy of privacy and the right to review in all the states under their public records law. And the right to privacy is something that people are very interested in right now. Uh, particularly government actors. They're worried that if they produce records that they will be sued for invasion of privacy or that people won't want to work for them. Uh, but the reality is, is that most of these folks are public employees. And so their right to privacy and things like their salary is diminished, right? The, the salary of LSU's football coach is a public record. You know, you've probably seen it published in The Advocate. Uh, you know, the, the idea is that if you make money from the taxpayers, we get to see how much you make. Well, in this case, Andrea Gallo had requested uh, some uh, investigation records from a sexual harassment allegation. And, uh, you know, we had made a threat of litigation, uh, but, you know, before we got the chance to file, uh, you know, Mr. Landry or General Landry had decided to sue uh, Andrea preemptively. Uh, why he decided to do that, I do not know, but, uh, you know, that that was his decision. And he's asking the court to declare that he doesn't have to turn over these records uh, of a sexual harassment investigation into one of his top deputies. And the case has been assigned to Judge Tim Kelly, who's, you know, good judge in Baton Rouge. Um, and, you know, we're looking forward to litigating this matter in front of him because we feel like, you know, it's something that really needs to be decided by Judge Kelly. Uh, first, whether or not this kind of suit is legal or should be legal. And second, whether the public should get to see these documents. Okay, so uh, yeah, I mean, are these documents usually documents that are disclosed? I thought any sort of uh, like PR matters was usually things that could be disclosed with a public record request. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. I mean, usually you can't get somebody's personnel file, right? It, like a normal, you know, run-of-the-mill government employee who gets a regular review by their by their boss or the the executive director or the elected official they work for, 
you usually can't get that kind of stuff. Uh, otherwise, anytime somebody who worked for the government applied for a job in, in the private sector, the private sector would go public records request their entire employment file, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some litigation. I mean, there's some previous cases that say that you can't get somebody's personnel file per se, but there are exceptions. And, you know, a prominent case is actually from Baton Rouge. It was a post-Katrina case where we had some police officers that were accused of doing some things that were very untoward toward the evacuees from New Orleans. And the court in that case actually found that the public's right to know uh, overrode the right to privacy that those policemen had. And so we got to see their internal investigation files. And I think this is probably more like uh, a police officer than than just a run-of-the-mill employee, but we'll have to see what the judge says. Is this the first time that this has been done in Louisiana? You said these suits are kind of sweeping the nation, but is this the first time it's happened in Louisiana, do you know? or No, uh, there's been four or five of them in Louisiana, since at least since I started paying attention in, in the late 2000s. Um, you know, there were two in North Louisiana in the last five years. Both of those were my cases. Uh, there was one in Baton Rouge where the Department of Education sued uh, a number of public records requesters trying to claim that federal law uh, would not allow them to turn over records which would already be public under state law. Um, those cases, some of those cases are still ongoing, actually. Um, so it's it's not unheard of, but it's very uncommon. Okay. And why wouldn't they have just, you know, stated some kind of exception to the request or just not fulfilled the request instead of preemptively suing? I just, I don't know. I guess there's some kind of PR, you know, somebody thought it would look better if they sued this 28 year old reporter, but I don't, uh, that person uh, made a bad calculation if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of odd just because it kind of seems like the, uh, the Streisand effect, like it's kind of a story. they turned Andrea Gallo into the victim, which, you know, is, you know, the, the, the victim here really is the person who was sexually harassed, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, if Andrea Gallo had filed suit, you know, then, then there might have been a public outcry, you know, we want to see these records, you know, there's sexual harassment going on in the AG's office, we want to know about it. Instead, what the Attorney General did was he compounded the victim on top of another victim, you know, with, you know, Miss Gallo, who's, as I said, a 28-year-old reporter, you know, she's going to have to list that she's a defendant in a lawsuit if she applies for a mortgage and tries to close her, you know, transaction with with your title company. You know, it could really affect her credit. So, uh, really, a poor choice on his part, if you ask me. But you know, I don't know why he did it. Yeah, and I just think it kind of brings attention to something that I don't know that I don't think it was really on a lot of people's radar. I mean, it was the news was out there, but I think it just kind of brought attention to something that. I probably could have just gone away otherwise. Right. I mean, the Streisand effect is real. We see it all the time in the media bar. Um, you know, somebody's trying to cover something up and instead they file a lawsuit about it and it <laughs> winds up bringing it to the top. I mean, you saw that with my my Frank Skurlock lawsuit uh, earlier uh, <laughs> last year where, you know, Mr. Skurlock was accused of uh, doing some untoward things in the back of an Uber and he sued the advocate and the Times-Picune trying to shut it up. And what wound up happening is the internet went crazy. And <laughs> the story went to the top of, of all the rankings at, you know, NOLA.com because everybody wanted to read about, you know, this this guy who sued because of some, you know, pretty salacious allegations. But, 
you know, the Streisand effect is real, particularly in this internet culture that we live in today. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, anything else you want to talk about with, with the case? Any kind of other interesting aspects? No, I mean, it's a fascinating problem. Um, you know, I'm excited to get to work on it. Uh, you know, very blessed that I get to work with The Advocate and, and so many other news organizations. You know, I represent, you know, gray media stations. And, you know, there's a gray media station in Baton Rouge. There's one here in New Orleans. And, you know, also the Louisiana Press Association. So, you know, I get to work on these issues regularly. It's kind of a dream come true for me because I, I grew up wanting to be a reporter, you know, worked at the Reveille in college, you know, did some did some freelancing. And then I went to law school um, and, you know, basically have my dream job, which, you know, I know you do, too. You know, it's kind of working for yourself, living the dream. But, you know, these are really serious allegations if they're. You know, just like uh, when the governor had someone in his office that was sexually, allegedly sexually harassing folks, you know, the, the media wanted to know about it and the people wanted to know about it. And, you know, just like that, you know, there's someone in General Landry's office that is accused of some, you know, pretty interesting and salacious things. And, you know, we want to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, we're not trying to out the victim. You know, we don't want to hurt the victim. That's not our goal. Our goal is to see how your tax dollars are being paid and who they're being paid to. Okay. Very interesting. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it all shakes out. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, Brian, the public records law, you know, when, when I learned about it in law school, it was really written for people like you, for real estate lawyers, you know, uh, somebody would come to the mortgage uh, doc, document uh, center in New Orleans, they go to the recorder of mortgages or in Baton Rouge, they go to the clerk of court and they needed to see all the mortgages that had been placed and all the transfers of certain piece of title. But really, what it was really written for was the oil companies when they were trying to get their leases and see who uh, yeah. owned the rights. You know, it, it, it wasn't necessarily just this altruistic, we want people to be able to get public records. It's a constitutional <laughs> right, don't get me wrong, but you know, there was a lot of business involved in this too. And so, you know, I represent entities like Zillow, you know, Zillow, uh, which everyone has been online, and they just had this hilarious Super Bowl commercial, uh, <laughs> fake fake Super Bowl commercial that was on Saturday Night Live. You know that that company operates on public records. They yeah. get the assessor database, and that's how they come up with the Zestimate, right? Yeah. Is they they look at the public records and they say, well, you know, Scott Sternberg's house is worth you know three hundred thousand dollars based on comparables in the area. So. You know, there's a lot of businesses that work on public records. And, and so it's very fun to do that kind of work as well in this practice. Yeah. Are you hearing any kind of buzz that the legislature might make some changes to the public records laws because of all this kind of stuff? You know, I've, I've had some legislators reach out, you know, they're pretty, pretty angry, uh, you know, but it, this is a tough issue and making changes to the public records law is always very hard. Um, you know, when you start to tinker with it, you definitely don't want to make it worse right and sometimes you you know think you're doing a good thing and you're actually not um i, I wouldn't shock me if uh if we made some changes but you know a couple of years ago when uh my client in Tallulah got sued uh, uh representative ray garofalo saw all the coverage and decided to write a bill that said you couldn't sue a person for making a public records request and you know he made he wrote the bill and, you know, he, he showed up in committee and, you know, 10 minutes after he showed up, it was killed because the you know, local governments and the, 
clerk's accord and the district attorneys, you know, they don't want to, uh, to affect their ability to exercise this uh, judicial uh, intervention. But, you know, what we did get from Representative Garofalo was a provision that says if you get sued and you win, you get your attorney's fees and costs. And so, you know, good things can happen from, from bad situations like this. And, you know, hopefully someone will uh, have the courage like Representative Garofalo did a couple of years back and we can outlaw these suits because they really should not be legal. Yeah. Has, has any kind of hearing date or anything been set? What's the, what's the next no, step? We've been assigned to Judge Kelly uh, and we'll, I'm you know, going to be communicating with his chambers uh, shortly to see what kind of briefing schedule he wants. But I would expect that we'll have a hearing within the next month. These things go very, very quickly. Okay. So what else is going on in New Orleans? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a weird time right now with all the COVID restrictions. I'm sure you've seen a lot of people on, uh, on Twitter and Facebook complaining about them, but, you know, they shut down all the bars through Mardi Gras. And, you know, so everybody's kind of in their, in their own little bubble. Uh, you know, we're back in the office uh, mainly because we just had to get out of our houses and start working again. But um, in, in New Orleans, it's, it's a tourism-based economy. And so, you know, there's a lot of people here who are really hurting. And so hopefully, you know, Congress will come through with something for the hospitality industry because we are really hurting down here. Oh, yeah. And have you, have you been to court lately? I don't go to court anymore, but have you been lately? How's that working out? Yeah, so I had a trial last week in the 24th oh. JDC in Jefferson Parish. Uh, it was just a little three-hour trial. Um, and I've had a few hearings uh, at Civil District Court, you know, uh, but the Zoom... The advent of Zoom is really just an amazing thing for courts. You know, uh, something simple like a status conference or a motion to compel, something very small. You know, we have to charge the client to go over there. You sit there forever. You're waiting. I mean, you know, you're a courtroom lawyer. Oh, yeah. and the great thing about Zoom is that you just you just turn it off until your case is called, and then you turn your video on. And um, I, I really think that the advent of Zoom, and if and if we can get the courts across this state to adopt Zoom as an alternative to in-person hearings for small things, we can save people a whole lot of money in lawyer fees. So oh, yeah. I, really hope that, I really hope that one of the good things that comes out of this is that we get some reform on appearances. Um, I have a case in Catahoula right now and another one in Vernon Parish, you know, and those places are three, four hour drives from here. Not that I mind driving, I like driving, but you know, save the client a whole lot of money if I could just hop on the video screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a little less, a little less of that hurry up and wait that happens so often at the courthouse. You know, my, my good friend, Judge Slagle, uh, is kind of an innovator in this tech world, and he was using Zoom before the pandemic. And uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, if we can get some uniform rules on how to use video, how we can really help uh, access to justice, which is such an important thing, you know, pro se litigants, and, and most importantly, you know, the actual cost of litigation can be driven down. I mean, you're a transactional lawyer primarily, so, you know, you don't have to go to court as much as I do, but <laughs> it's just a very expensive, frustrating process for the client. And, you know, even when you win, you know, they're, they're still not thrilled about, you know, how much it costs to, to attend. So hopefully we can get some good things out of this. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, I, I never used to charge my clients for a like going to court in town. But when I got in there, like that's when the clock started. So when I got in that courtroom, if I'm sitting around just kind of waiting for, you know, all this peripheral little matters to get handled, 
you know, I'm charging for that because that's my time. You know, you can't just sit around there right. for three hours and not, not charge for that. So. Yeah. I mean, a lawyer's time is a stock and trade. That's the, that's the, uh, the moncure, but you know, the, the idea is that if we can cut down on that whole process of, you know, I, I don't charge to go to court around here, just like walk across the street to the civil district court or drive to the 24th across the river. But if I'm going to Vernon Parish, you know, I'm getting paid to go. Oh, there. Yeah. So, you know, um, so, you know, it's just one of those things. And of course, with some of the hurricanes last year, we have some courts in exile right now where things are going on almost only by Zoom because of uh, that situation. So, you know, hopefully we can we can turn this into a good thing for access to justice. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Any? How's the firm going? Everything's going good? <laughs> yeah, you know, firm's going well. You know, uh, we're very, you know, tech forward, young, kind of punching above our weight class. That's what we're looking for, you know. <laughs> We're not doing personal injury. We're doing, we're really focusing on business. We think there's a lot of people who are looking for business lawyers. Uh, got two of my partners that are tax lawyers. So focusing on that a lot. And, you know, we really leaned into the PPP stuff. You know, when, when everybody else went dark, you know, we went hard into, you know, coronavirus relief. And so, you know, if folks are interested in the, in the paycheck protection program, either version one or two, you can find all out all about that at our website, which is snw.law. So it's Sternberg, Nackery, and White.law. And, you know, it's, it, there's, it's free money. And if you're not taking advantage of it, uh, you know, it's to your own detriment. So I would encourage everybody to explore these programs uh, because they're keeping a lot of businesses alive right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was a very interesting discussion. And, you know, thanks for being on the show. And so if anybody needs to find Scott, you can uh, give him a call at 504-324-1887, or uh, you can email him at scott at uh, in snw.law, or uh, you can find him on Twitter, which is Scott L. Sternberg, or on Instagram, which is uh, at uh, SNW Law Firm. So that's all the ways to, to reach out. Go follow him on yeah. Twitter. It's an interesting follow. I love Twitter. Twitter is like my, my vice, you know, I don't, I don't gamble and I, I very rarely drink. So, uh, you know, it's a, I gotta have something to, to let it out because I don't have time to work out. So might as well just play on Twitter all day. So yeah, there you it gets go. me in trouble sometimes that I've, I've had opposing counsel use my tweets against me in a court of law. So, you know, Oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotta get, gotta get a little better about making, you know, I, I'm trying not to make comments about my cases. Uh, so, uh, yeah. but you know, like, when Jeff Landry posts a 12 tweet storm about how uh, we're misleading people at the advocate, uh, it took a lot for me not to respond. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, you can always do it after the case is over. You can always respond then. So. That's right. Well, I'm hoping to respond with the results. That'd yeah. Be cool, so, yeah, there you go. Well, well Brian, go. I appreciate you having me on today and uh, let me know if uh, I can ever be of service. Yeah, next time something crazy comes up on Twitter, we'll have to get on and talk about it again. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. All right. All right, my friend. Take All right, care. Talk to you later. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Scott Sternberg about that very interesting legal case. If anybody from the AG's office is listening and would like to come on and talk about their side of the story, we'd, we'd love to discuss that with you. So just feel free to reach out. If you need to find my company on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Lakeland Title BR on Instagram at Lakeland Title BR, on Facebook at BR Closing, or if you need to find me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at B 
bjohnson and on Instagram at bgjohnson. I've also just joined Clubhouse, so you can find me there at bjohnson. If you want to contact the show, you can email us at podcast at brclosing.com or you can email me personally, brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at brclosing.com or you can just give us a call the old-fashioned way at 225-387-5005. So I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Feel free to reach out if there's other things you want me to talk about or other guests you'd like me to have. You know, we always love to get input from our listeners. Otherwise, see you all next time. Thank you.